it's Cindy's choice to be brave and make a difference. Cindy here, and thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here as I continue on this destitute to destiny journey as just stepping in, you know, it's, it's been a vision for so long and now just stepping into the destiny is just kind of crazy. And, and I'm so glad that um, I'm, I'm not in it alone anymore. You'll hear me talking about, you know, alone so much, but now I have a, a wonderful creative director on board and we're only going to attract a, a greater and greater team and more just incredible businesses that really care integrity centric businesses that really care about our community and we are going to make a difference we're already making a difference and we can just do so much more together so what i want to do is yeah i've kind of just highlighted this crazy story of you know because it is it's confusing to people they're like you were homeless and and then there's a lot of you know a lot of people have been homeless and they're like living you know doing fine now it's very common. There's so many of us that are just a paycheck away from getting homeless. But when, you know, when it's just like, uh, when you are capable of working, you can recover. But even so, when you get to the point where you're completely homeless, it's a lot harder to get people back on track. But if you're able to work, then, you know, there's, there's a path to follow to get there. But that's been a lot of the issue for me, this, this crazy health issue that I've learned more and more how to manage. But if I'm, I'm not in a situation to manage it, then things go downhill fast. And so, you know, I want to dig back in on this time that I was actually homeless, completely homeless. Again, extensive periods of gypsy style living and so forth that I'd shared before, but completely homeless and alone on the streets. And, you know, so many folks, they're like, how are you doing this? And you know, how did you do that? How did you transition off the streets? And at first, yeah, I was just kind of trying to tell details and, t- and it's, you know, I was getting invited to speak like at the, the at different groups, you know, different business groups and churches and so forth like that. And it just felt horrible because I didn't know how to, I'm like, well, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. I'm like, but that, it just didn't make any sense. And then, I mean, it made sense, but it just didn't feel good. I, I, I didn't, it just didn't feel good to share it. I didn't feel like I was helping anyone with, you know, this is the the path I took. Then everything changed when I got invited to actually share with those that are homeless, um, you know, that were homeless at the present time. And this was a couple of years after I'd been on the streets. And I got to tell you, I had not been back to the community kitchen after I didn't need to go to the community kitchen anymore. And it kind of was starting to bother me because I really wanted to go back down there and help. Like I said, I was, I didn't want to just get self-sufficient. I want to go serve and identify with those folks down there, but it was terrifying to go back there. But then I get invited to go speak and encourage those that are homeless. And I remember I felt so bad because I'm like, I'm not meant to do that. (laughs) You know, I'm meant to go like build, you know, find these businesses and support them and serve the community in a different way to help those that are homeless. You know, I, I'm meant to support those that are supporting those that are, you know, serving the homeless. But, you know, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to say I'm not meant to do that. So, of course, I graciously accepted the opportunity to go encourage um, those that were homeless. But, you know, I had to rethink my story because the way I was explaining my story 
that wasn't going to encourage them or help them. I mean, I, they, they couldn't go do what I did. Just, you know, everybody has their own path. They've got to find their own way to navigate through circumstances. And, you know, I remembered police chief Roddy and uh, when I first met him, he had first became chief and I was at a business event and had heard him speak. And we were talking after that event and, you know, I didn't go around wearing this, I was homeless or I'm still, you know, couch surfing, I'm still homeless kind of flag. And we'd had a, like a quick exchange and then we're kind of standing among other people still conversating and something got brought up organically about homelessness. And, you know, I could speak to that and I spoke to that and I'll never forget because, you know, it'd been some tough seasons. You've, you know, you've, you've heard what I'd been dealing with for so long and police chief Roddy just kind of completely changed his body position. He was kind of standing next to me, but he pivoted around like toe to toe right in front of me. And he just started like just reinforcing me. And I'll never forget because the first thing he did was acknowledge my courage. He acknowledged what it took, how brave I was to go deal. I'm getting emotional right now when I share this with you. It was powerful because even though I'd been like, you know, I'd had some people that had taken me in, but I was out there, you know, hitting the streets, not no expectations, not expecting anything from anyone. I was out there earning the trust and the respect of the community, doing my best to, you know, demonstrate what I was capable of. And so people would, in, you know, invest in me and I could get self-sufficient and serve the community. And, you know, he just started speaking that courage into me. And I recognized I wasn't out there looking for that, but no one, no one had acknowledged that or really given me any, any like direct encouragement like that. And I've got to tell you, it filled me up. I just was like, oh, I had no idea I needed that. And it just filled me up. And you know, it just made such an impression on me. And, you know, police chief Roddy is, I mean, we couldn't have a better police chief in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, you know, he's, he's just, uh, you know, immediately I got that, oh my goodness, if he's out there encouraging our police force like that, and he really gets it, he understands, you know, like some real people are dealing with in the community, then my confidence was definitely set with him as our, as a city leader, as our, the leader of our police department. But he, you know, it really changed the whole direction with how I share my story because I thought about that when I thought, you know what, how Police Chief Roddy reinforced me. I need to go reinforce them. And it just made sense. I'm like, they're like the bravest people I know. I know what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I got, um, the day came and, well, let me back up because all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm terrified to go back to the community kitchen. Now here, you know, as I shared in my story, I'd been there twice a day for like 60 days straight and had depended on that and had had some scary situations with dealing with that. And, you know, but when you're in that moment, and I I think I shared too about how, um, even though it was terrifying, it was uncomfortable, I kind of felt the protection because I just knew I was where I was supposed to be because I knew how hard I was trying to get where I knew I was supposed to go. But in that moment, um, 
you know, it, I, I was terrified to go back to the community kitchen. So I called the sweet lady that invited me to speak and told her, I said, you know what? I think I'm dealing with, you know, some PTSD issues here. And she's like, I get it. No problem. You know, I go, let's go visit over there. Let me walk around. And, and she went with me and I kind of walked around and, and got, you know, reacquainted <laughs> with the space. And, and I really got comfortable pretty quick. And again, this had been bothering me because I wanted to go over there and serve and help and stay involved. And I was just, you know, once you get away, you're like, oh my goodness, you feel all that fear. You wouldn't allow yourself to feel when you had to deal with it. So we got that out of the way. And then it was a huge event. Uh, they uh, promoted brownies and ice cream. <laughs> and um, they told me that it was like the biggest turnout they'd ever seen and it was like standing room only. All the seats were filled. A lot of people were standing along the sides. And, um, you know, I got up there to share and encourage. And I, I didn't want to mess this up because I really identified and felt with some folks there. And that's the first thing I did when I, you know, got in front of them was just acknowledge and say, I've been where you're at. And I know what it takes. I know what you deal with, what you face on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm authentically standing in a room full of the bravest people I know. And oh my goodness, the, the folks that were there that, you know, worked within the community kitchen and everything, they said, Cindy, that, that, you know, that was such a different response that we could see in their faces than you normally see because it, it's, they're kind of used to getting talked at. And I'm, you know, so many people help and encourage and do good at the community kitchen. I'm not knocking what anybody does, but you kind of get what, and, and, you know, to really identify, we prejudge, we prejudge. And so many people that I talk to about those that are homeless, they're like, you know, oh, they, they choose to be there. Or, you know, they're, they're all chemically addicted. They're all alcoholics. They're, you know, no, no, they're not. And they are with what you have to manage. Like I've only shared the highlights and I'll, I'll share more of what you have to manage just to get through a day in that situation takes a lot of courage. And I'm, I'm just so glad that, you know, I, I got that perspective and I kind of share my transitional story in a different way now because I shared with them after that, I'm like, it was my perspective you know, of how I transitioned off the streets. It was a perspective of appreciation and a perspective of purpose. Because when I was going through that, I, you know, even though I didn't try to figure it out and I couldn't explain it at all at the time, and I sure didn't like where I was at, I really did trust and believe there was purpose in it. And I found plenty to appreciate, even though that was a, it would have been easy to get real negative. And I, I could find plenty that could get me real upset. And I remember the, um, you know, what, what comes to mind immediately about appreciation is my truck. <laughs> you know, I, I'd shared about my truck being out of gas and the, um, the, even the battery was dead and I was stuck on Market Street, not Market Street, sorry, Walnut Street, right just down from the bridge, the Walnut Street Bridge in Chattanooga, Tennessee um, for over a month. 
And I slept in that truck for, you know, three months, three very long, hot months. But oh my goodness, thank goodness I had the truck. Like I shared, there was a, the priest that kind of helped me navigate and start finding my way and getting more comfortable, you know, navigating, going to the community kitchen and so forth. You know, he was living sleeping on a mattress under a bridge most of the folks that I would talk to at the community kitchen who were getting attacked while walking to the community kitchen were sleeping in a tent or under a bridge or you know wherever they could find to sleep in a doorway they at least I I was so thankful and you know you've heard my story before I went extensive years in my kind of gypsy style living kind of homelessness without an automobile at all so that that was a lot of you know what had me stuck so I just I found things to appreciate and I so appreciated that I had my truck and I appreciated that I didn't look homeless you know I'd shared how I was kind of had my truck packed for vacationing you know I had my bike clothes and so forth like that and though I looked really rough for my standards I didn't look homeless so like in the scorching heat I could get away with kind of hanging around a place with air conditioning a little bit where like somebody who was obviously homeless would have been you know shoot away pretty quickly or or just you know discouraged from hanging out there but when it just was just scorching hot I could and it was (laughs) you at least I could get away with kind of hanging out a little bit you know not bring too much attention to myself so I was so so thankful that you know I recognized that as bad as it was for me I had some I had some advantages but I also recognized that you you know it wouldn't take long for me to look homeless because it was a huge challenge with you know keeping yourself up with keeping clean on a daily basis and I'd shared about how that was my first kind of direction every morning was to get to a public restroom and you know I was very like courteous I didn't want to scare people you know going in and you know brushing your teeth and getting cleaned up the best you could in a public restroom and so I'd be very discreet and I'd try to find you know places that didn't have a lot of traffic but Chattanooga the heat of the summer lots of tourists but I try to be very courteous and and you know not not alarm people but even with that I could get cleaned up you know enough but I it was hard to get to a place where I could wash my hair and I remember you know there's lots of water like in Chattanooga like you know water parks and so forth like that and I would try to kind of get creative with some things but you know it just it wasn't working I'm like and I, I I'll never forget talk about major appreciation the day that I discovered, okay, you know how in the public restrooms, most of the hand washing sinks, it's got like a low spigot because it's just meant for getting your hands under there. Oh my goodness. The day that I found a public restroom with a spigot high enough where I could actually get my head under there and like wash and rinse my hair. Oh my gosh. I was just, I was so appreciated finding that particular restroom restroom and that became my morning you know my first stop every day and again I was real another thing I appreciated it was a little off the beaten path it wasn't as busy as the other public restrooms and I just and I again very discreet I would you know I didn't want to alarm anyone or make anyone uncomfortable or anything 
but not only could I get in there and I could wash my hair, but you know, I had the hand blower that, and it would turn upside down and I could, you know, put my head under there, even dry my hair a little bit. And I remember I wasn't documenting this by any means. I wasn't like out writing a journal and documenting things because, oh, I'm going to tell a story. No, it wasn't like that at all because I was trying to survive. I was just totally focused on, you know, how am I going to get through this day? So, but that particular day, I did do the little, um, you know, picture in the mirror kind of thing. I wanted to remember, you know, how just elated I was on that particular day that I got to wash my hair. And, you know, there was this, I found lots to be um, appreciative of, like (laughs) Wi-Fi. You know, my phone had died. And um, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time listening to positive sermons on Wi-Fi. That was survival. Listen, and you're in a situation like this, you just can't, you cannot overthink it. And I knew I had to keep my mind programmed, you know, with positive and truth and, you know, keep being reminded that there was purpose in what I was going through, you know, no matter how scary or, you know, how ridiculous or uncomfortable it was. So I was so thankful for Wi-Fi because I could get near a building like that had Wi-Fi, like the Hunter Museum. If you get close to that building, you can pick up that Wi-Fi or the aquarium. Or when um, there was plenty of times at the time at at Whole Foods, uh, there was kind of a little section upstairs that had like um, a couple of kind of like living room type comfortable chairs. And maybe there was was at least four, if not six of them around um, a coffee table in this little section. And since I didn't really look too homeless. You know, I had my little backpack on and my bike clothes because I'd be scooting around on my bike. I could hang out there for a while and use the Wi-Fi and get in the air conditioning. And I think that that was getting used a lot because I noticed not long after I wasn't homeless anymore, they changed that configuration up there. So people weren't too tempted to hang there too long. And again, I think I got away with it a little longer than some because it just, you know, I look like a traveler, uh, you know, which is very common in the Chattanooga area with uh, it being such a tourist town. But then, but my bike, oh my goodness. I was so thankful. I so appreciated I had my bike. And I'd shared earlier about there was a time I couldn't ride my bike. I was starving. I was too weak and getting too sick to even have the energy to deal with my bike or ride my bike. But once I was, you know, able to navigate my way around and get to the communication kitchen and get some um the free health care across the street from there for the homeless kind of get my energy back oh my bike i was able to because you know i'd shared how many people had to hang in that neighborhood close by or you know and live in that stay in that area because so they'd have you know regular access to the community kitchen and they'd be you know walking through that neighborhood or staying in that neighborhood and they would get attacked and at least the bike allowed me you know, have my truck at a distance where I was sleeping and ride back and forth. It was still dangerous. It was still scary, but at least I could kind of get in in and out of there quicker. And oh my goodness too, because I'd spend my mornings, you know, Wi-Fi. I'd, I'd like 
had my Bible in my bike backpack and I'd spent a lot of time just, you know, focusing on the word and listening to these sermons. And then after lunch, I, if it was a, a nice day and a good day, I could take a bike ride and the beautiful Chattanooga riverfront, you know, I could get a nice extensive ride. It was a wonderful distraction. Uh, and, um, you know, I was just, I remember so many times like, Oh, I'm so thankful I have my bike so that I have this wonderful distraction in the afternoon. And at that time, the meal time hours of the community kitchen were kind of odd. It, breakfast was super early. I could never make it there for breakfast, but like lunch was at like 1030 and dinner was like, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, maybe I don't maybe I can't remember like four, three thirty, four, four thirty, something like that. So after that, you know, final meal, it was a long time till 2 a.m. because that's when I could finally crawl in my truck because it was too stifling hot before then. Plus, I didn't want people to see where I was going at night. I didn't want to be vulnerable to the other homeless people that, you know, would take advantage of that and so forth. So it, it was just such a blessing that I'd, I had my bike with me. And, and again, you know, a blessing that I you know, didn't look homeless, that I had my truck. And I, I go on to, I, I shared with, you know, the, the perspective of appreciation and purpose I, I shared with the others that are homeless. But, you know, I couldn't leave out the fact, too, that I so appreciated that I knew in my circumstances, I was so concerned about so many out there making bad decisions because of their desperate circumstances when I was finally at a place where I understood how much I could depend on my provider my protector and my promoter and of course that was Jesus you know this was an incredible time that I finally got to learn just to lean on Jesus and trust and not become vulnerable to those that would just want to take advantage and benefit from me and actually help me to not succeed. So that, I think that's a, a, I could go on talking about appreciation. There was just so much in such horrible circumstances. Y'all, it was dangerous. This was real. This was a very raw situation. But I just found so much to be thankful for. It's such a difficult time. You know, even the time when I was starving. And, you know, it, it's not often that, there's, there's people sitting down and that someone just doesn't touch their meal very much and gets up and walks away so that that left a meal, <laughs> something for you to eat. Oh my goodness. And I was even thankful, I guess it's like for the crackers that I could find, uh, you know, that had fell behind the counter or whatever I could find to eat. I was so thankful. And there were so many situations where, um, you know, in the nick of time, I would find something to eat. And even when I was, I was so thankful that when I was desperate enough to peer into garbage cans, I never had to really eat anything out of the garbage can. But, you know, if I'd recognize something that, you know, wasn't too nasty, I was that desperate. I was that hungry. But I was also that, that desperate to break this like constant, just horrible cycle of defeat that I had been in for most all of my life. And that's what I had to face to do it. And I didn't really understand that at the time, but I appreciate that I just knew, I, I knew how to focus and I knew how to trust. 
and I knew not to get rescued again. So I'll wrap it up right there for today. But you know, you know where I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it with love. I'm going to leave it with love because I love you. And I want to encourage you to lead with love. I want to encourage you to seek first, to understand. And I want to encourage you to go make good choices.